Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, and I am grateful you are here this week, especially this week, because you get to sit down and listen to the conversation that my BFF and I, Pia Hine, had about empathetic leadership. And there isn't anyone else that can have this conversation the way she can. So the backstory is that Pia and I met 11 years ago. We were both working for Mars Wrigley, and she was my line manager for about two and a half years. And during that time, she completely embodied everything about empathetic leadership, and she still does. And because of how she showed up as a leader, uh, we actually became very close friends, and she became my best friend. And it was all because of the working relationship we had and how Pia, how I watched Pia not only treat me on the team, but how she treated our entire team. Pia is always about people first. She shows true, genuine, authentic, compassionate leadership. And she's all about empathetic leadership because of how she shows up as a leader. And her, her teams were always high-performing. She always inspired and, and got the best out of people. So she's now a director at Bayer, as I mentioned. And I am thrilled to have her on the show. She, she wasn't expecting it. She came to visit me for the weekend. And I, I kind of wrangled her into doing the podcast with me because, like I said, I really do feel she is an expert on the subject. And... We were having a great weekend, and I just thought, you know what? I'm going to sit down, and we are going to have a conversation about this. And it just came so easy to her because it's just what she does so effortlessly. I would definitely say that empathetic leadership is one of her true superpowers. So one quick note before we dive into the conversation with Pia. Our Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab is starting on February 28th. We are starting a brand new group. Um, this will be our eighth cohort that Lori Tab, my business partner, and I have come together and created. And it is an incredible 12-week group coaching experience for women, again, called the Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab. And you don't want to miss out on it. You can go to our YouTube page and listen to the testimonials. You can go to womenleadingpowerfully.com and look at the web page and also see testimonials. But women are having transformational results being involved in this program. We cap the group at 12 to 15 people. And so you're in this tight-knit, small community of women where you're learning, you're growing, your confidence, and you're also building community. So if you have any questions about the program at all, please feel free to reach out to me. You can reach me at natalie at corecreationcoaching.com. And I'm happy to have a conversation with you. If you have more questions, which I'm sure you do, um, let's jump on a call together because we have several seats left, but I don't want you to miss out on this. So go to womenleadingpowerfully.com. And if you're ready to apply, you can also just hit apply now and you'll be taken through the process and you'll be signed up. So just do it. So speaking of let's do it, let's do it and jump into this conversation 
that I have with Pia Hine about empathetic leadership. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. All right, my best friend in the entire world is here staying with me this weekend. So I thought it was a great opportunity to wrangle her into doing a podcast. Pia, I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you, Natalie. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Well, it was awesome having you for the weekend. And, you know, it's funny, I was going to ask you to tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and... So I'm going to start there and then I'm going to stop you and I'm going to tell everyone how we met. So, okay. but would love to just have you share a little bit about, you know, where you grew up and your career journey. Absolutely. I already know the story, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up in Connecticut, a town called Danbury, um, lived there. I have two, two brothers and my parents, they're all still there uh, in their hometown. And then from I played sports growing up and pretty active kid, probably pretty normal childhood, just like everybody else. Um, And then I had the privilege of going to college at Clemson, um, where I uh, made a lot of great friends, continued to play soccer a bit. So I have a little competitive spirit in me. And then as I graduated from there, came back home um, and got my first job right out of college, uh, working in the marketing field and was lucky enough to um, get on an account with some really great brands uh, that led me into my first corporate job over at uh, Mars uh, Confections, so Mars Wrigley Confections. So worked at Mars for 16 years doing various different roles, um, all in sales. And then about two years ago, just as on the onset of COVID, uh, I started with the Bear Corporation Consumer Health. So currently I am on the Club Channel team as a sales director uh, at Bear. Awesome. Okay. So since Pia and I are so close, Um, She skimmed over, which we're actually going to talk about as part of our topic today of empathetic leadership. She totally skipped over just her whole high school career. And then she's like, oh, you know, I played I played soccer a little bit in college. Well, here's what you don't know about Pia, because Pia never shares it, (laughs) is um, (laughs) Pia was what were you state champion in soccer? What was your soccer award that you had in high school where your plaque and your name oh. is in your high school auditorium? And I don't know, I think I was friends with you for five or six years before I even knew that. I think your dad outed you. Yeah, I was I was lucky enough to be um, on the inaugural uh, high school, Damari High School Hall of Fame. So yes. Yeah. So she completely glossed over the fact that she played competitive soccer in college. And I mean, you're pretty much a badass. Well, thank you. Thank yes. you. So the best. And my version of this story is that I was working at Mars and applied for a job. That was something I really wanted to try, which was shopper marketing. And Pia happened to be the hiring manager. And I knew nothing about her. And 
so that was actually before Zoom and virtual and everything was even a thing. And I was in California. Our headquarters for Mars was in New Jersey at the time, which is where you live. And I remember I interviewed virtually over Zoom with you and someone from HR and I'll say like one or two other people. That was my first my first virtual interview that I did. And I remember thinking you were super cool and I wanted to work for you so badly. <laughs> and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about my experience with you as a leader um, because you are, honestly, and I'm not even just saying this because you're my friend, you are totally one of the best leaders I ever worked for at Mars. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Because that. you embody all of empathetic leadership, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So, yeah, you were my boss for three years? Yeah, two, two, three years. Well, I mean, maybe two. Again, maybe we say we stretched this and who was really the boss because <laughs> <laughs> your listeners know. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> but maybe they do now. <laughs> can be a little bossy. Um, no, but yeah, we worked together for two and a half, three years, and you exemplified everything that we're going to be talking about today, which is why I wanted to do this topic with you, because I think you really embody that as a leader. And it was definitely what drew me to you and and drew me to do also doing hard work and wanting to, to pr- produce good results. And it's just interesting because I think the I think there's a lot of misconceptions about empathetic leadership and about kind of the the end results of that. So, all right. Obviously, the topic we're going to be talking about is empathetic leadership. And we're going to start with why we decided to have a conversation about empathetic leadership. So, Pia, I'd love to get your thoughts. And then I'm actually going to read some stats about why empathetic leadership is so important. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, it's it's something I'm very passionate about, something I truly believe in, because, you know, we, we read a lot of things and we all know um, we spend a lot of time at work um, and you give a lot of yourself and a lot of your own time to the company you work for, the business you work for. And, you know, it's important to make sure that all of that effort isn't just a paycheck and that, you you know, when people talk about the companies they're happy to work for, they typically say it's because of the people. Mm-hmm. And I really like the people I work with. I really appreciate or respect the people I work with. It's never, bec- I mean, then secondarily, they pay you well or they don't or something, right? Or they, I believe in them. But the workforce today wants more than just a paycheck. They want to feel valued. They want to be respected. Um, and they want to understand the purpose of their organization. And all of that is encapsulated within, you know, an empathetic approach, which is truly just about being authentic, being real, right? And and still delivering results for the organization. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. And I think the reason why it's so important to have the conversation now also is we are entering in our third year of COVID. Mm-hmm. And not only has COVID been difficult for each of us individually, as people, as moms, spouses, daughters, sons, all of that. I, I, you know, it's been difficult for everyone in, in their own different ways. But then on top of that, as a leader, you know, people have are under so much stress that they need more empathy than ever, because people have varying different situations where, you know, maybe a dad is at home trying to take care of kids while 
you know, he's on Zoom and the kids are on Zoom. I mean, there's just so many different factors. I mean, the, the reality is women bear the majority and the brunt of the effects of COVID on a family. And then, you know, the other thing is that leaders also can suffer from burnout in, in terms of they're trying to take care of everybody else during the pandemic. But leadership during this time has been really hard. There's been so much uncertainty, so much volatility, so much change. And leaders are trying to kind of figure it out in the trenches as they go. And so I think it's so important that we have this conversation. There's some stats. I was reading a Forbes article, and there was a global study by Qualtrics that found 42% of people have experienced a decline in mental health. And 67% of people are experiencing increases in stress. I mean, just the numbers are through the roof in terms of how COVID is really affecting people. And how that's affecting results is, you know, 50% of people are irritable. 28% of people are having, the stress is causing them so much anxiety that they're having trouble concentrating. 20% of people own that they are taking longer to finish tasks. And, you know, 15% are having trouble thinking and making decisions. And so there is a, a real effect of stress, you know, exacerbated by COVID that is affecting people and how they show up at work. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, some, you know, in some situation to say, you know, you might have said going into the office was, you know, and having to go through a commute and the the taxing, you know, the, that that is on people in terms of the travel or the time spent away from their families and things like that. And I think if people have appreciated the opportunity to be home more, but again, when you're when you're home and all of your work responsibilities are in front of you, you know, sometimes I've found personally for myself, sometimes that separation of, of work and home actually helped me be more empathetic and be more aware of my emotions because I almost had that time to turn it on and off, you know, on the drive home or 10 minutes sometimes even just to to clear your head before you walk into your house. Mm -hmm. And what all of us have been experiencing for the last, you know, two plus years that have been afforded the opportunity to work from home is really no cut, no shutoff time. Yeah. Right. So if you've just come out of a tough day or a tough five o'clock meeting and now you have to go make dinner and get your daughter to dance or to school or a school, you know, function or sports. What are you carrying with you? Right. And how how what emotional state are you showing up now as mom in? or, mm -hmm. you know, same thing for dad. Right. So this idea that working from home, it's given us a tremendous amount, but it's also made this topic even within families like a, a very important uh, piece to understand because it's it's not only how you're showing up emotionally with the people you're working with, but then you're you're in three three or four steps. You're in your own home. Exactly, and I mean we talk about that. That's the whole premise of the podcast is lead your life. You're not just a leader at work. No, when you're coming home, you're also exemplifying leadership as a parent, mm -hmm. uh, leadership as a spouse, and um, or a partner. And those are. It's so important. We're, we're leaders everywhere we go. And so I think there's always a need for empathetic leadership. I mean, it's what I know drives you as a leader, drives me as a leader. And I mean, statistically, it shows, the data shows it's what gets results out of people um, because people typically don't leave organizations. They leave bosses. Mm -hmm. And 
when I think about, you know, I've done the exercise, I know you've done it as well around what is your ideal leader? And so I'm curious to know when, when you've done that exercise, what shows up for you? Usually from a, from a quality standpoint, for me, I want to feel like there's a just kind of a, a mutual trust and honesty, um, both with good conversations and bad conversations. So the idea of surprises, you know, I was, I really appreciated the reality that, you know, they knew there was going to be mistakes, but as long as you came to them and you owned it or you took accountability or you learned from it and, and moved on, um, you know, it, it could, depending on the situation, you're given a chance to learn. And, you know, the worst thing was about, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's a end of quarter surprise because you've been trying to solve it this whole time and, and you can't, and now there's a bigger situation, right? Like, mm -hmm. so it's about having the courage, right? To say you've made a mistake. And so, and, and having a leader that allows you to come to them when those moments happen, because, you know, perfectionism is not real. So to expect the people on our teams and the people that work with us to do things perfect all the time, you know, is unrealistic. And human error is, you know, typically a lot of the problem solving that we have to do in and out of the day for various reasons. So, you know, it, it's really... For me, ideal leadership allowed you to take risks, take responsible risks. You did have to move with some pace. You know, it's a it's a rapidly changing uh, business world, and so you have to be able to move with speed and pivot. And you know, I really appreciated the leaders who gave you the freedom and the autonomy to to make decisions. Mm, I love everything you just shared. What I heard through that conversation are some key characteristics of really amazing leaders. Um, honesty. I mean, you mentioned that right first and foremost. I couldn't agree more. Um, courage, transparency, room to fail forward. So belief enough in your associates that you give them room to fail forward, make mistakes, learn from their mistakes, and, and move on. And that role empowerment and also agile. And it's just so interesting because this is what shown up when I've taken this, this is what also shows up in all my groups, is when people talk about their ideal leader, I find it interesting not only what they say, but what they don't say. They're not saying the ideal leader is the person that knows everything and that is the true expert. Yes, people respect that, but it's never on the list. The other thing that's never on the list is you know someone that has may the biggest business results, the best ROI, that obviously there's implicitly we understand that people are going to be performing and good leaders are good performers. But it's just interesting to me, like none of the results, none of the data, those aren't the things that show up on an ideal leader list. It's all around the soft skills, which are the most important skills. It's around honesty, transparency, auth authenticity, um, courage, you know, giving me room, allowing me to take risks. I mean, it's all of those things. And that's why when people think about their best leaders, it's also a leader that believes in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it very much is. But it, it is really a dance, right? Like, and I would say it's a dance because sometimes it's the person leading the team that does have to direct to get to kind of where and directing guide and provide the clarity and, and, and everything for the team. And then at other times, it's completely the reverse. And the and the leader of the dance is really your team. 
and you just have to get out of their way and create space for them so they can go do what they do best, right? And and you have to be, and that's where I mean, the, from a flexibility standpoint, as a leader, it's not simply about lowering expectations, you know, it's not about you lowering your expectations. You know, it's very important you set clear expectations with the team right up, right up from the beginning. You know, clarity of role, clear expectations of what we need to deliver, and then let the dance happen. Sometimes you lead, sometimes you follow, sometimes you just create space, sometimes you applaud, and sometimes you show them where they made a mistake, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to be willing to give and take and flex with them. So what do you say to the leader who's listening, who says, that's great, but if I'm not controlling and if I'm not micromanaging every person and every project, then shit's just not going to get done. What do you say to that leader who says, I'm afraid to kind of try that empathetic leadership because I feel like if I'm too nice, people are going to take advantage. It's going to be awkward when performance issues come up. So what do you say to that that person that's listening? I would offer um, to say that's probably one of the biggest challenges as leaders. We all we all face that emotional challenge of having crucial conversations or having challenging conversations when performance isn't met. It's whether you know someone or you don't all that well. It's still an uncom- you know can be uncomfortable to have to give somebody bad news, right? It's just not who the way we're wired. Really, we want things to be successful. So when you have to do and have those crucial conversations, you know, you have to be, that's, this is a part of authenticity and honesty, right? If you set an expectation and you align on key targets and goals, you know, that's a mutual commitment, right? So there's a mutuality in the commitment you're making and you have to, you know, separate the, the difference between supporting someone to get to their goal and only having it be about the goal, right? And so it's the what and the how in terms of how you have to evaluate them. If at the end of the day, you guys both aligned on a goal, but for situations that weren't in your control, you couldn't get there, what was the resilience they showed? What was the plan B, the plan C they showed, right? How did they respond? How did they show back up for you? Because that's showing you more commitment than anything. They didn't give up on you. So, you know, it's, you have to be very, prepared for the conversations. You have to be, you know, you document the things you need to document so that you can give them very clear feedback and you have to do it timely. You can't let things go for months and then surprise them on a mid-year or surprise them at a year-end review. That's unfair to the people on your team and that's not being transparent. It's not being authentic. Yeah, and I also I also think it's not being courageous. It's not. As a leader, it's your responsibility to have those courageous conversations. You own performance conversations as part of your job, right? Mm -hmm. And as uncomfortable as that is, that's why they've put you in a leadership role because it's not always good. It's not always the the promotions and the, you know, developments and, you know, wins. Sometimes it's the hard and that's, that's where understanding your own emotions and understanding how you show up in your body language and in your your tone and your compassion and, and everything each and every day is going to help you get through those tougher times. Mm-hmm. But don't you think, I mean, just going back to the kind of being friends with people you work with, mm-hmm. don't you think it's harder as a leader if you're having to give feedback to someone on your team that you've really developed a good relationship? Like, what is that kind of, what is that boundary 
And I just feel like you're a little, I mean, obviously I know because I worked with you and for you. So, and you're also my best friend. <laughs> so I guess my my point is, is, you know, how do you walk that that path? The way I, and, you know, everybody will have their own approach to things. The way I've tried to handle it is to really connect with them and understand and, and get to know them so that when we're in that situation where I have to have a tough conversation because, you know, that's just the reality of the professional career, you know, relationship part of it too and my accountability to my job, I, ha I have to have built that trust with you that you know my feedback is coming from a place of concern and support and and an interest in helping you get out of the situation or improve the situation or become successful the next time and teach you something, right? Like for me, it's, I always hope that the people that work on my team know that when I give feedback, it's to make them better. It's not to put them down, but it's to show them an opportunity to get better. I agree with you, Pia. And I think what you're speaking to is intentions. And I think as a leader, you always have to have authentic and real intentions. You know, you spoke about building this trust with people so people knew where and know where you're coming from. They know that your your feedback or your directives are around wanting them to get better, wanting them to elevate. And people know that about you because you all, they know that you always want the best for people. But I think if you're a leader who doesn't genuinely care about people, I, I just don't think you should be a leader. I I think that that is something really hard to fake if you really don't have that genuine empathy or caring for people. And I think if you try to fake it, it just comes off so inauthentic. And I just think that kind of the first step in in building your empathetic awareness as a leader is you have to take an assessment. You have to be aware of who you are, and you have to know, you you have to be really clear about your personal awareness. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Because no one rolls into their first manage, managerial job as a, as a people leader for the first time and understands how to lead, right? It is, it's a learning curve. It's a learning experience. And you gain experience along the way through different situations. And it's, you know, I would offer that it's not only important for you to know about yourself and, you know, maybe what you're, what you like, what you don't like, but then how it makes you react is really how you have to think about it. It's less about, you, it, most people can say, I like this, or I don't like that, or, you know, I lean this way, or I, you know, like to work that way. They know their styles, but they're not always clear in what their reactions are. Um, and that is really the part about the awareness that's most critical. It's understanding what that conversation was that sort of triggers a little bit in you to shift from somebody who's curious to somebody who's about to to pounce, right? Like mm -hmm. indirect and and um, possibly shut people down, right? And and feeling that and becoming aware of what that is, so that you keep the space open. Like I said, the dance has to have space to it, um, and you need to create that space to let people come in and out. Um, when they're comfortable, when they're ready, uh, when they feel confident, um, and you need to let them also step back when they need to and, and take a breath, you know, and then you guide. 
and somebody else comes in. And that's the beauty of a team. Yeah. And I, I love that insight because it's not only your personal awareness. What you're saying is also being aware of other people and treating people the way they want to be treated, not the way you think they should be treated. Yeah. It's very important for you to establish that, you know, just the same time you're establishing what your goals are as a team, you also have to establish how you expect to like respect each other as a team. You know, what is, what do you expect from me? What do I expect from you? What do you all expect of me as your leader? You know, what can I do for you every day? And that is a, we had, you know, I have that as a really open conversation from the beginning. And then everybody then is clear. I'm clear of how they want me to lead. And they're clear about what I need from them because it's a lot of trust we're each putting in each other. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and that becomes really the conversations less about the specific thing, if it was right or wrong or it worked or didn't work. But it's like, did we lean in and did we follow the way we said we'd work with each other? Did we make decisions that might have been a, had some reasonable risk to them, but you know what, we had a fallback plan just in case, right? We prepared for it. You know, if you're following the ways of working and, and living into the way you've agreed to work as a team, you know, that's really, I mean, that's the goal, right? Is to have a flow in your team um, to, to manage the swings. Mm -hmm. Well, no, and I, I love what you're talking about because I think the framework of empathetic leadership is one, setting really clear expectations. And you just mentioned that around, hey, what? What do I expect of the team? What does the team expect of me? And what do we expect of each other? Mm -hmm. So I think having those clear expectations is, is really important. We talked about it earlier in the conversation about having consistent feedback. It's not just a once a year conversation. It's giving people the respect enough as an authentic leader and an empathetic leader of letting people know where they stand and having, having the courage and the strength as a leader to have those conversations, those continuous conversations. And then also you talked about being curious as a leader. And I think that is critical as well. When, when, when I think about the three things that people need in order to develop empathetic leadership, it's being really strong, number one, with your awareness, both yourself and of others. Um, number two, we talk about being authentic being that real leader and like showing up exactly who you are as a leader with your unique strengths and your unique quirks and characteristics, right? And then third, being curious. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd love for you to share any stories you have about curiosity showing up in your leadership. I do, uh, but I wanted to build on one other thing you just said, which is, you know, about knowing yourself and knowing the people on your team. I think what when we say that, that doesn't mean you have to know their life story necessarily or all their likes and dislikes, right? It, it doesn't mean that. It means you have to be observant. You have to understand what they want out of work and, you know, you have to understand them on a professional level. And then you have to watch and observe how different things trigger them or react. They may not be aware. So you're there kind of as their coach, right? And saying, hey, I saw you in this meeting. So-and-so said this. I saw you sort of shift in your seat, like, and I could tell you disengaged at that point. Like, have that conversation with them afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. That's how you get to know them, right? It, getting to know someone isn't about what happened on the weekend. It's about watching them at work and caring about how they're showing up. And if you are there to observe and you see really great collaboration and really like strong leadership in a meeting, acknowledge them, right? 
Inversely, if you see them shut down in a meeting, you see them sort of uh, back away, even though you, you know they had something to say, go and talk to them about that. How come they didn't feel comfortable speaking up in the room? What was the situation that really drove that? Help them through that block, right? That's about getting to know them. It's about what they need. You get to know what they truly need from you because you've hired them. So you believe in them and inherently they're smart enough to do the job. You just need to understand what they need from you to do mm -hmm. it better. Well, and I love that you're bringing up uh, leader as coach because it is one of the things we talk about in our leadership development program, but it's developing that coaching mindset as a leader, asking powerful questions, being curious, being invested in your people, you know, from an empathetic and emotional perspective. So I, I love that you said really paying attention and being intentional about that. And what I also love is there's so much to learn. We all have, let me just be clear, <laughs> everyone listening, including myself and Pia, we all have blind spots. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality. And, you know, as we maybe get older, sometimes they get smaller and smaller, but sometimes we build bad habits. And so sometimes those blind spots can get bigger and bigger during different phases of our career. And so... It's important for us to know that we have those and for the people that we're managing to know that, you know, our goal is to really hold up a mirror as a coach and ask powerful questions and get the best out of people. To get the best out of them, but also give them a chance to be their best. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, it has to be a value to both, right? And when it's not a value to both people, that's when you start to see them start to say, is this really for me? Am I getting anything out of this? It's, it's a natural question, right? And, you know, yeah, they're getting paid, but is the pay enough, right? And then they start to think, and that really becomes, do I feel seen? Do I feel valued, right? And we say it all the time. It's, it's really about helping them be the best they can be at work. Mm -hmm. Well, I think of when, when you talked about pay, I think of this, this piggy bank, right? And what gets deposited into that piggy bank isn't just your pay. What gets deposited are those all those emotional inputs and all those acknowledgments. I know I was just reading a Harvard Business Review that talked about for high-performance teams and individuals, the ratio of positive to negative feedback or constructive feedback is five to one. So being an empathetic leader, you're acknowledging your people five times and then, you know, maybe it's one constructive criticism or feedback comment. I've heard minimum of five times. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and I mean, when you think about that, I mean, it's, it's the same way with our kids. Mm -hmm. We need to be acknowledging them for the things that they're doing right, not only the things that they're doing wrong. And, you know, that's talking about holistic, holistic leadership. I'm curious to know, you know, do you have any stories on your end of where you saw either an opportunity for empathetic leadership and where you leaned in as an empathetic leader or any examples of people that you've worked for? You know, and I feel I, I'll share a story about um, a, a gentleman that was on my team, my prior company, and he was a young man and he and his wife were, you know, just about to have their first child. And it was right as the company had expanded paternity leave um, eligibility in terms of weeks they could they could take off as for FMLA. And it was still new for the men and, and the guys in the company to be given that 
benefit that extended leave. It was, I think, about four weeks versus the one week it had been. So it was, a, you know, for them a big difference and, and a great step by the organization to move that way. And so I had a one-on-one with um, this gentleman on my team. And during that, he shared with me, you know, he's, you know, I made an assumption he planned to take the full paternity leave without even asking him that question. It was it was an assumption I made. And I went into the conversation in, in that mindset. And they told me, he's like, well, I'm, I'm not, I haven't decided yet. And, you know, I was really <laughs> aware, you know, of my, you know, I, I was like, oh, you know what I mean? Like you naturally kind of have that moment of like, oh, well, I had a completely different thought, you know? And, right. But in that moment, I realized this is not my place to provide he's not asking me for my opinion he's sharing with me right now his feelings and where he's at and and my opinion of it is is irrelevant right mm-hmm. my experience is irrelevant this is about him and and where he is and how he's feeling and so i i i paused and i said really i said okay i said tell me more like what what's making you question whether or not you should do this and it was really just around its still just very new and you know would he be looked at the same way or is, is it almost as if it was like uh exact like um too much of a benefit in a way right, right. like the other guys haven't had a chance to do this how come you know he gets to now and what would i would say almost like what would that sort of male sort of uh, like peer pressure or whatever right. was really kind of coming up from right um which really was a very, you know, you're talking about a young man in an organization yeah. having his first child, like it's completely a big, navigating. It, yeah, emotions, it's a big paradigm shift. Paradigm shifts, but yeah. it's it's a work one, right? Mm-hmm. It's a personal and it's a work one. Yeah. So as his as his you know line manager, I you know I really just sat with him and gave him the time he needed to come to the decision. Um, I suggested a couple people he could talk to who I knew did choose to take advantage of it. Um, and maybe he could talk to them about what their experience was if he felt comfortable. Um, I told him he could always talk to me. And I said, but ultimately, you and your wife make the choice and you'll be supported in whatever choice you make. And, you know, he appreciated that. He appreciated having the space. He appreciated feeling like he could change his mind at any point in time. And and we let it go from there. And I'm I'm grateful to say he did take the time. It did. <laughs> it was, you know, I I may have encouraged a bit, right? But it was clearly his his decision. And when he came back, he undoubtedly said, "Thank God I did as mm-hmm. well." Like he would never question that decision mm-hmm. ever again. Which, you know, just was something I I felt really good about for him, uh, for his family, and then also just that he came to that decision himself and he felt like he had the ability to come and just talk to me about it like that honestly was like just a very rewarding moment for me mm-hmm. I love that story and I I love that story because I think it highlights and illustrates how much influence leaders have mm-hmm. you know people are watching all the time how you bring energy into a room how you establish psychological safety how you build trust how you treat other people and so, and I think sometimes I, I just heard an, another podcast. It was um, actually, sorry, a webinar with Michelle Obama. And she was talking about one of the, someone asked a question about what do you think the the biggest kind of lack of 
awareness a leaders have. And she's like, the amount of power that we have. And so I love that you shared that story because I think it's, you, you really highlighted being a, a leadership coach, really being in leadership, but as a coach, walking him through the process to get to his own answers, being empathetic to whatever he chose. And, um, but also having that impact to, to influence and to really support people in the deepest way. Mm-hmm. So I, I, and obviously working for you, I felt that. I felt like you always had um, everyone on your team. I always felt like you always had their individual best interests at heart, even if it was at the detriment of the team, even if it meant someone was going to get promoted and elevated and we were going to miss you know, an incredible person and connection to the team and someone that was really delivering on the team, you always had that person's best interest um, first and foremost, which I always appreciated in you as a leader because I always knew that you were serving me at the deepest level. Well, thank you. Well, it's true. I mean, <laughs> I really do think you embody servant leadership and empathetic leadership. Thank you. I, I, work, I work hard at, you know, I want to be that, right? So, and, you know, that's who I want to show up as. And so yeah. um, every day, you, you, nobody's perfect, right? But every day you try. Yeah. And and it's interesting because I remember when all this, you know, uh, when COVID happened and everyone went to remote leadership. I mean, we've been, you, me, we've been doing remote leadership for 20 plus yeah, years. exactly. I mean, none of it was new to us. Mm-mm. And all this, you know, leaders leading a remote team, all that was new, but we had been doing that at Mars forever. And I think you did a great job of it. And and the one thing that stands out, and to me, it seemed like such common sense, but it, it was hailed in a lot of leadership articles during COVID is just leaders checking in on their people. You were the queen of that, yeah. of just checking in once a week or twice a week. And I remember when you first started doing it, I was like, oh, I have to have all my reports ready. I have to have all my numbers ready. Because I thought that's what I was used to. I was used to like, hey, the check-ins meant where's business, where where sales, give me all the data and the statistics. And I remember I was kind of caught off guard when you would call the first couple of times. You're like, hey, just checking in to see how you're doing. Like, how are you? It's like, that's it? Really? I mean, like, <laughs> you really just care about how I am? And I think it differentiated you from other people and from other leaders I had had is, you know, I felt other, you can feel when someone's kind of faking that, like, oh, how are you? How was your weekend? Like, okay, can we just get to the numbers? What is the data? What are your results? And you just kind of feel like, well, they just ask those questions in the beginning just to kind of check a box and... To be nice. To be nice, right? But it was never authentic. But you genuinely cared. And that was a lot of times your biggest intention for calling was just to find out how your people were doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think leading in a remote environment, so important for leaders to know... Just to check in. Yeah. yeah. And so what, I mean, I guess, what would you say to the leader? Because I hear this a lot. What would you say to the leader? Just, well, things are moving so quickly and so fast. And there's so much pressure on me as a leader. I don't have time to check in with my people like that. I think you make time for the things that are your number one priority, right? And so time is finite. And that is no different for any one of us in any situation. So you have to define what time you can give. And you also then have to assess how much time should your team need. And if they need more of your time than you can possibly give and still get your job done, then you have to take a hard look at at your team 
and decide if you have the right people in the right roles, if they're trained well enough, if they have the tools to do their job, or if they're just in the wrong role. And then you have to maybe make that decision as well as a leader, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to really evaluate what is, who are the people on my team? What do they need from me? What did they tell you they needed from me? And am I living into that? And if it becomes something overbearing or more than you contract, you know, you kind of aligned on, then you have to evaluate if it's the right fit mm-hmm. and go from there. Yep. I I couldn't agree with you more. I, I love everything that you just shared. And it's so impactful and so insightful. Um, so as we close out our conversation, uh, first of all, I'm just super glad you visited for the weekend. <laughs> thank you. Thank We're you. actually sitting here doing this in person, which is awesome. It sure is. You know, the podcast is all about turning insights into action. So what are one or two uh, pieces of advice you would give for people to who are really looking to grow their empathetic leadership? Um, how would you tell them to do that? I would say two things. One, find your trusted friend, whether you work with them, whether you don't work, whether it's someone at work, whether it's someone in your, you know, your friend, your personal life, your, your spouse, um, whoever that may be for you. And you, you know who that is. Um, start with a real conversation about who you are to them. Um, and they can probably tell you a lot of things about yourself you may or may not know because, you know, people at work, you know, see you in a different way. So find out how that that best friend sees you and understand where your strengths are and where your opportunities are before you even go into it. And then, you know, give yourself some grace and time because becoming a a, a leader that people want to work for and respect, you know, you, you, you prove that every day, just like people prove every day at work that they deserve to get to be in their role or they deserve to get promoted or move to the next level. Like we're constantly having to prove ourselves because that's just the nature of, 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 of the work of the game we're in, but we each owe that to each other every single day. So, you know, you may show up one day, great. You may show up one day, not your best self. Apologize the following day if you feel you impacted somebody and move forward and keep trying. Mm-hmm. I love that we all have a responsibility for impact. Yeah. It's not just the leader's role. No. It's we have a responsibility to each other. Mm-hmm. I I love that. I love that. All right. So I'm going to try something new. Because when you really think about it, it shouldn't be an empathetic leader. Right. It should be an empathetic team. I agree. Right. And everybody yeah. should show the same consideration, the same respect, the same appreciation, right? And curiosity for each other. Mm. And that's when you get the cu- true curiosity of thought, the true, you know, brainstorm creativity um, and a people, you know, feeling like they're a part of something yeah. that they're proud of. Well, and I think the, I think the leader has to role model that mm-hmm. and to be, but I also, like I said, I think it's the entire team's responsibility. Yeah. Every person on the team. Yep. So awesome. All right. So I'm trying something new that I'm adding in. Uh-oh. And you're going to be my first guinea pig. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Geek. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, first question. Two or three of your superpowers. Eee. Two or three of my superpowers. Yeah. Uh, I'll just give you a little hint. Mm. It was the topic of today. No. 
<laughs> empathy. I think empathy. empathy is definitely one of your superpowers. Uh, empathy. Um, uh, I would say commitment and open and openness to people. I agree with all that. Totally agree with that. Uh, second question, your biggest fear? Being left behind. Mm. I understand that one. Uh, number three, your biggest wish. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I mean, the, the obvious, which is health and happiness um, for me, for my family, for my friends. Beyond that, just connection, right? Mm -hmm. to, to just the people that, you know, we are all really busy. Um, we all have a lot going on. And, you know, to me, it's, it comes, like you say about work, it's all about the people you work with. It really, that's life. It's all about the people in your life, whether it's at work or at home. And just feeling, you know, that sense, I think we've all felt pretty disconnected with COVID. And I think it makes you appreciate even more so feeling connected to the people that matter. I agree. I, I, I love that. It's so true. It's so true. Um, okay. Last and final question. When's the last time you belly laughed till you cried? <laughs> About three hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> Just before the podcast started. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> Pass the cookies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Can you have me one of those? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, uh, Pia, it's been a pleasure as always. Second time on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Super happy thank to you, have thank you. you. Thank you for always contributing and thank you for being a good role model of what leadership should look like. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Take care for now. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now.